Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Are you financially resilient today? Do you have the ability to withstand life events that may significantly impact your income or assets? Now, you know, the saying goes that the one thing in life that remains the same is change. And according to our next guest, the best way to ensure that you are able to weather through the change is by being financially resilient. But here's a question for you to think about. What makes a person financially resilient? And how can we ensure that we're prepared for the unforeseen events that may throw us off course from our road to financial freedom? Well, today we're lucky to invite on the show a very special guest who has lined up for us a checklist that is sure to equip us with the necessary knowledge to become financially resilient. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show Sel Kai Lun, the Managing Editor at The Simple Sum. Good morning, Kai Lun. How are you doing today? Uh, good morning, I'm excited to talk about this topic. Um, financial resilience is really important, especially mm. in this day and age. And yeah, I hope to have a good conversation with you today. Wonderful, Kylo. Now, before we get started into the details, why not just give us a broad idea of what being financially resilient means and why is such a pressing need today? Yeah, so let's start first with the definition of what resilience means or being resilient mm. means. So, um, according to the Oxford Dictionary, um, it means the capacity to withstand um, and uh, able to recover, being able to recover quickly from any difficulties. Mm. Um, so when it comes to financial resilience, it, this would be um, being able to withstand and recover from anything financially that comes your way. And mm. this can come in a variety of manners, um, some that we are very familiar with given the news uh, mm-hmm. that has um, been happening about job losses. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also illnesses, something that is really out of control. Um, and also even um, it extends even to market uh, differences in terms of like high interest rates, which we have been in a high interest rate environment for the last few months, mm. as well as volatility in the market. So all these are things that uh, we can't predict, we can't control even as much as we would like to. Yeah. Uh, and being able to be resilient, uh, being financially resilient would mean that your finances, uh, not that they are unaffected, because being real about it, they will be affected because these are all changes that do affect finances. But being able to withstand it and um, cope uh, without having to um, get into debt or things like that, mm. that would be what financial resilience would be all about. Wonderful. That was such a comprehensive breakdown of what financially being financially resilient means. Thank you so much for that, Kailun. Now, I believe you've come up with a few key pillars to building financial resilience. So let's get started right with the first one, and that's debt management. Now, tell us more, Kailun, what debts are we looking at here and where do we start? So I think first of all, when it comes to debt, there are two types of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Mm. So let's talk about bad debt first. So bad debt would be, well, it's not really bad debt, mm-hmm. but this, because obviously you went into debt for various reasons, but bad debt um, from a financial perspective could be classified um, as things such as credit card loans or even personal loans. Right. Um, these type of debt tend to have a high interest rate. So if you have ever forgotten to pay your credit card bill, you would know what I'm talking about. Instead of just it being a, a few cents, um, credit card debt is really quite high. Uh, as we know, um, it, it goes up to as much as 20 plus percent. Wow. And if you don't pay your bill, um, it just keeps escalating. So this is bad debt that we would want to resolve mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Um, and then there is um, good debt. Mm. So when it comes to good debt, this would be things such as um, um, debt that you incur 
by purchasing things or assets that go towards your future. So this is a debt that I think most Singaporeans that own a property in Singapore will have, uh, and that would be housing loan debt. Mm. Um, so um, this kind of debt tends to be a bit more um, stable in terms of interest rates. So it, while interest rates are high right now for housing loans, it's uh, at all, a recent all-time high of 4%. It is still debt that's building towards your future or building towards an asset that uh, will help keep you protected because everyone needs a roof over their head, right? Yeah. yeah. So these are um, the type of debt. So what you can do, definitely the first thing that you want to pay down immediately would be all the bad debt. I see. So mm. good debt. Debt management means trying to pay off all your bad debt first, and um, so that you aren't uh, you aren't hit with the high interest rates that cause you to go into even more debt. Mm. Interesting. Thank you so much for letting us know that um, debt it doesn't necessarily need to be bad, but they're good debts as well. Now, obviously, debt you know bad debt bad debt is something that all of us would want to avoid. But given the increasing you know payment options like buy now pay later, this becomes quite an unavoidable trap. I mean, they're offering maybe enough even up to zero percent interest rate for maybe a twelve month loan. So, what advice do you have for us when it comes to avoiding debt or managing our expenses then? When it comes to buy now, pay later, I think this is a phenomenon that is great if you know how to manage your expenses. Mm. Why I say this is because um, buy now, pay later has a whole array of actual um, coupons and things like that that you can use to actually reduce your expenses. Ah. But what's not so great is when you forget to pay or you don't have the means to pay and you're actually using buy now, pay later. Yeah. So instead of um, buying something just because you think you can afford that one third payment mm. when it comes to items, specifically for buy now, payment later services, you should be looking at whether you can afford the whole amount Mm. And preferably whether you can afford the whole amount upfront, yeah. and then utilize buy now pay later just to take advantage of the discounts or the special um, privileges that come with it if you utilize it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a common misconception that we think we can afford it just because it's broken up into like maybe three or twelve months payment, and then we come to realize that oh no, I can't actually afford that product. So. Yes, this is a good point to bring up. Thank you so much for that, Kailun. Now, let's move on next on the list and we've got emergency funds. And, you know, I've heard a lot about this, you know, needing to save anything from 6 to even 12 months. I'm so confused, you know, like I don't know what's the magic number. Is there a one-size-fit-all formula when it comes to setting up an emergency fund, Kailun? So the quick answer to that is no because everyone's situation is different. Ah. So if you look at most financial advice, so even for at, on the simple sum, we actually do have an emergency fund calculator mm. and for us, what we do generally advise is six months worth of living expenses. Mm -hmm. So um, what we recommend is that you actually break down how much you're spending every month. So not so much about your salary, but actually how much you're actually spending and ensure that you have six months worth of debt. Uh, in the event that you need to draw upon it. Mm. Uh, but it really depends on the type of job that you have or the type of career or your family situation. So for someone who might be the sole breadwinner for the entire household, mm. you definitely probably want to have a much larger emergency fund. Uh, this is because um, should you um, face job loss, like what we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. this would mean that um, you have to still continue paying with zero income coming in. Whereas if you were from a dual income household mm. where you and your spouse 
are both working, even if one of you loses the job, the other one will still have income coming in through their job. Mm. So this would be, so it really differs. And um, other than the household composition that you come from, the other thing to think about is also what type of job you are doing. So if you are someone in the gig economy or freelancing, and you know this if you are, um, the income fluctuates quite greatly from month to month. Mm. This means that even though you might be um, drawing in five figures in one month, the next month very quickly it could drop to three figures um, depending on what the market situation is like or um, even just whether it's peak season or non-peak season for the services that you offer. So for People who are in such a situation, we do recommend uh, what it would be good to do is to actually build up a bigger emergency fund uh, that could maybe go as far as nine months to 12 months worth of living expenses Mm. just so that you are prepared uh, for anything that comes your way. Wow, okay, yes. Uh, The type of job that you have matters in terms of uh, how much you should be saving in your emergency fund. Now, you know, now that you've broken down for us, then what then constitutes an emergency? Like what defines an emergency and when should we break into our emergency? Emergency fund. <laughs> That's a very good question. Mm. Uh, one thing that is definitely not an emergency would be perhaps Coldplay tickets. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was announced Coldplay is going to be in Singapore playing for the four, next four weeks. And if you don't have the money for it, uh, we do not advise breaking the emergency fund for something <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> that's a start. In- <laughs> yeah, but instead, emergency fund is really for your basic needs. So things like renter, um, if let's say you need renter or to pay for your grocery bills so that that you can survive for electricity or even simply internet so that you can still continue working from home or even uh, looking for a job. Mm. So these are things that essentially the emergency fund is there so that uh, you are able to still live life, uh, probably not as luxuriously as you want to ha- uh, have it, mm. uh, hence no co-play ticket, <laughs> but, <laughs> but definitely um, so that you can still continue um, surviving, uh, not surviving, surviving is a bit much, but yeah, it's you know, <laughs> living <laughs> living comfortably without uh, luxuries in your life. Yeah. Gotta take luxury out of the equation when it comes to an emergency fund and it's enough for you to perhaps find your way to your next job to to probably, you know, start saving again. Now let's move on next on the list. We've got insurance and, you know, insurance, most of us would know, are beneficial to anyone looking to protect, you know, their family, their assets, property and even from financial risk and losses. It helps you to pay for medical emergency, hospitalization, contraction of any illnesses and treatments and even medical care required in the future. But here's the question. How much insurance should we be getting? Is How much is too little? How much is too much? I may not be the best person to mm. actually talk about this, but honestly, it really depends on your situation, just like an emergency fund. Mm. Uh, we, what you do want to have is basically personal accident, hospitalization, um, and if you can afford it, critical illness. Mm. Uh, the key thing of getting insurance when it comes to be financially resilient is so that if anything happens to you, um, you don't need to fork out the cash on your own. Mm. So when it comes to financial resilience, insurance in the sense of financial resilience, this is the key thing that we are looking at. The reason why is that really accidents can happen at any point of time. Illnesses yeah. can happen, especially in this day and age. And illnesses can really cost a lot. Uh, just the other day, um, someone shared with me that uh, because of the cancer treatments that they were going through, mm. um, the bill, if it had been billed purely to her, it would have come up to nearly a million, 1.4 million. Oh, man. And wow. That, 
I, of course, that is a more severe case, but yeah. that was the extent of her condition. And thankfully, she had insurance to help buffer quite a bit of it. Mm. And I think that is the nature of insurance. For those, for the times that you don't, nothing happens to you, mm. it feels like money that is thrown away. Yeah. But the minute that something happens to you, you would be really grateful that you have bought it uh, because you would have been covered for what you need. Yeah. And I think what everyone needs is uh, really different as well. So um, again, this is somewhat similar to emergency fund. It really depends on how many dependents you might have or the situation. So while I talked about jobs just now, um, this is also applicable for emergency fund and that is how many dependents uh, you have. Mm. So if you your household um, is just uh, your spouse and your child, um, maybe you don't need such that much coverage or you don't need um, that big of an emergency fund. But if let's say your parents are also depending on you. So you have you have parents from both sides, um, both yours and your spouse's side, mm. as well as children to take care of. That is quite a huge amount of people that are depending on you. Uh, and therefore, you might want to um, consider getting an insurance plan that uh, will co- uh, cover for more than just that, mm. more than just the basic, and uh, as well as for a bigger emergency fund to cover the emergency so that everyone who is um, dependent on you mm. will be properly taken care of. Mm, interesting. Yes, yes, I agree with you on that. Uh, the responsibilities that you have as uh, perhaps maybe even a breadwinner of the family, I think uh, you have to you have to definitely take care of yourself and insurance you know there's this stigma about how it's like what you've rightly mentioned before I mean I'm not sick now I don't see myself falling sick anytime soon maybe I exercise a lot as well I don't see a need for that but perhaps it's good to consider some that you know many of us may that's why it's called unforeseen circumstances right it's uh, good to look ahead and to perhaps take a precautionary measures as well let's move on next on the list we've got diversified and additional income streams and that's obvious the more sources of income you have, the faster your money can grow. And it is easier to reach your financial goals when you have you know, multiple streams on, of income because it allows you to make more money and get closer to your goals quicker if it's just one stream of income. But perhaps may, maybe some of us may not even have the luxury of time to consider a side hustle. So what advice do you have for us who, ex- or who are perhaps aspiring to be or to even get an additional income stream then, Kailun? Yeah, so I, I think uh, like what you've correctly pointed out, um, if um, when so coming back to job loss again, mm. if your main job um, there is a job loss there, it helps if you have additional income stream that comes in. So additional income streams come actually in several forms, and one of them would be like what you said, uh, additional sideline or additional job. Uh, it's not easy. You have to carve out the time to be able to uh, do it. Um, mm. But if that is something that you're really dedicated towards doing, um, it would be as simple as maybe dedicating an hour every day or a few hours over the weekend every week mm. and putting the time towards building that side hustle. I think what we are very fortunate in uh, this day and age for in the what they call the age of the internet mm. uh, is that there are so many more side hustles that are available to us that maybe weren't available to the generations uh, before us, uh, this this includes even um, doing content creation on the site, or even um, starting YouTube, mm. uh, or just um, f- freelancing as a 
Grab delivery driver over the weekend. Mm. I mean, these are multiple ways that are available to most people uh, if they wanted to, to actually earn uh, additional income. Uh, but there is also uh, the, uh, another way of potentially earning an additional stream of income and that could be through investing as well. Mm. So instead of looking at, uh, so when it comes to investments, uh, there are things like REITs as well as uh, dividend stock. Um, so that could be where you then, uh, instead of, so with a side hustle, you're investing your time or yep. you're putting your time into it. But with uh, stocks or um, REITs, it would be actually putting your money to it. So it's still a form of investment, but what it does is that it pays out a fixed amount, uh, not a fixed amount, sorry, but regularly it does pay out. Mm. And this could be yet another income stream that you can depend on uh, should um, there be anything else that happens to your main source of income. Interesting. Okay, thank you so much for that, Kailun. Yen. Yes, uh, investing, that's our next point uh, that I'm going to bring up especially because investing, you know, we, we all know that it's an effective way to put your money to work and potentially build wealth. And, you know, small smart investing may even allow your money to outpace inflation and increase in value over time. So then how much of our monthly salary should we be considering setting aside as investment funds then? Um, again, this really depends on the situation that you're in mm. and the commitments that you have. And of course, the more money that you put towards uh, investing and growing your money for the future, uh, the better it is. Mm. So rather than thinking that I have to do a certain sum or what, what is advice percentage, I would go with more of um, looking at your own budget. Right. So make sure that you have the money that uh, you need to set aside for your need. Make sure that you have money put towards an emergency fund if you haven't yet built your emergency fund. Ensure that you are paying off debt as quickly as possible first. Mm. Because while investing is important, um, your money, the money that you owe grows at a more exponential rate than your investments could. Especially with credit card debt, for example. Mm. So I would say settle all of that and be kind to yourself. Put aside some money for your wants as well. Put mm. aside some money to, for, as what they say, treat yourself. And then <laughs> as much as possible, put everything else towards your investments for the future. Right. But of course, it's worth noting that you don't want to overdo treating yourself as well, you know. <laughs> so, oh, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But what about, you know, maybe considering the current market volatility and macroeconomic uncertainty, you know, some of us may not be as, as risk adver uh, averse. So what other low risk investments, you know, can we consider to maybe help us sleep better at night? Yeah. So um, right now, the, the benefit of being in a high interest rate environment mm. is that interest is really high in the bank. Yeah. So what some people have chosen to do during this point of time instead of uh, putting money towards uh, uh, investing in stocks or in the market itself would be to then put uh, their money in fixed deposits mm. or T-bills. So T-bills was a very popular choice especially uh, as of late last year because the interest rates really went quite high. Yeah. So these are alternative um, short-term uh, places that you can put your money for relatively good interest rate. However, uh, this is not the be-all and all solution. Main thing about investing is being able to hold it for the long term. Yeah. So while these are short-term alternatives, what you should still be looking at is a long-term investing future. And if you look at the market, so while the market is volatile right now, mm. um, historically, the market um, always rises over time. Mm. And there is a saying that time in the market is more important than timing the market. Mm. So when it comes to then uh, investing, uh, rather than being scared, so one thing that human emotion 
human humans are really emotional creatures. You see the price of something dropping, you're like, oh no, yeah. I have money in it and what's going to happen? Mm. Um, so we are quite emotional creatures and uh, it is hard to be um, stone-faced in the face of, um, you know, um, your the prices of things going up and down, especially in the market. Yeah. Uh, so one of the investing strategies uh, that you can do is actually dollar cost averaging. Mm. So rather than timing the market and trying to find the best time and or being fearful and like, oh no, the market keeps going up and down. What am I supposed to do? Regularly invest into it. So regularly commit a set aside amount of money mm. and put it in the market. Um, studies have shown um, over time, it really does even out. Wow. And while um, you might think that, oh, if I enter the market at when it's at a high, am I going to lose out? It, there have also been studies, and you can find this online, that show that those people who actually invested during the point of time where the market was historically at high, mm-hmm. over time, their wealth increased as well. Mm-hmm. So there isn't really wrong time or a right time in that sense. Um, the best thing you can do is to do it regularly, and that will always be the right time. Mm, the right time is also how much time you are in the market as well. Thank you so much for that, Kai Lun. Now, any final words of advice for us to be financial resilient at a time when it perhaps requires us to be a little bit more money smart? I think that that's, being financially resilient is really the best thing that you can do for yourself and your family. Mm. Um, because um, only when you are financially resilient are you going to be able to help those around you better. Mm. So it's just like um, when you are in a plane and they have an emergency landing announcement or if you haven't pay- been paying attention for a while, I know I haven't, but typically what they do tell you to do is that and if there is an emergency in the plane, mm. uh, make sure that you put your own life vest on and mm-hmm. put your own oxygen mask on before you help even um, the next person next to you, even if it's a child. Oh, um, yeah. And the reason for this is very simple because you have to be well taken care of yourself. Uh, you have to you, you yourself have to take care of yourself first well before you can properly help others. Mm. And this applies even to financial resilience as well. So if you are financially resilient and you have that life vest of money and your oxygen mask to ensure that you can still continue to pay what you need to pay so that you can live comfortably, um, then are you only then able to lend a helping hand to those around you as well? And that includes your loved ones. Wow, fascinating. That was such a great ending to this chat. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kai Lun. Thank you for having me again, Dan. All right, we've been speaking with Xiao Kai Lun, the managing editor at The Simple Sum, discussing everything about the importance of being financially resilient and what it takes for you to protect yourself from the unforeseen events that life throws at you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.